Already highly automated, the process industries are poised for their next advance, industrial autonomy. Autonomy goes beyond automation by adding layers of smart sensing and machine cognition to anticipate and respond to unforeseen circumstances, ultimately culminating in systems responsible for all aspects of operation, from startup through safe shutdown. Hello, this is Keith Larson, editor of Control Magazine and ControlGlobal.com. Welcome to another episode of our Control Amplified podcast, brought to you today with the support of Honeywell, a global leader solving industry's toughest problems for remote and autonomous solutions. Joining me today to discuss the process industry's continuing path towards autonomous operations is Mark Sengupta, Research Director, ARC Advisory Group. Welcome, Mark, and thanks so much for joining me today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, maybe just for, for our listeners out there, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background and, and, and what qualifies you to talk about automation and, and autonomy a little bit. Well, that's a great question right there. What does qualify me for this? You were available. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, sure. So I, I graduated college. I've got a master's degree in electrical engineering and got sucked into the process control. My degree is actually more toward robotics. Mm-hmm. and uh, in machine control, but uh, it was a hard time of in the economy. I got sucked into the chemical industry instead, mm-hmm. and so I spent a couple of years in, on a plant site, and then I moved to a supplier, spent mm-hmm. about 12 years with them uh, in process control, programming, installing systems, moving from DCS to SCADA, uh, did stuff upstream, downstream, offshore and then uh, it's paper plants have gone into chemical plants i've done specialty chem batch systems worked with field bus when that came out back in the late 90s i've been all over the uh, the automation industrial automation space especially in the process control so yeah for arc i actually cover dcs safety systems and SCADA systems mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah this is this is actually fascinating to me because i think most people my age and your age, yeah. our age, we grew up with Star Trek and and uh, all kinds of of fancy automated futuristic stuff and and uh, you know now we're looking at what's going on in the consumer world with autonomy and mm-hmm. and it, it's really getting exciting for us old older older uh, automation guys mm-hmm. and now we're talking about what what about our chemical plants or what about our processing plants. Yeah. So, well, I think yeah, it's a great topic. But I think a grounding like you have in, in robotics and, and some interest there is kind of interesting because you see, it seems like in order to make plants more autonomous, there's going to be some robotic aspects to that operation. I always picture, you know, the classic, you know, the R2-D2 in the back of the fighter and, you know, fixing stuff when they're on the flight, you know, flying through the air on, in Star Wars. And that's the kind of, I think, some kind of cognitive abilities that we'll need in our plants to really succeed in, in some sort of autonomy. Maybe that's an extreme case, but that's the kind of vision that I think we we, we did experience in, in the movie theater, if, if, if not <laughs> back then. So, uh, so, right. so from your perspective then, is there something different about autonomy than industrial automation? Is it just marketing blitz or is it a, uh, is there a real qualitative difference in, in what we're talking about from industrial automation to industrial autonomy. Right. Well, when you first approached me with this, I, it's a really fascinating question because my first approach, I, one take, and then I took a second to think about it. I said, it really depends on how you frame it and where you're coming from. 
Yeah. Right. Because I could argue back when the day I was working in the plant, I put in a pneumatic PID controller for temperature mm -hmm. and nobody touched it after I put it in there. I could argue that was autonomous, mm -hmm. but it's also industrial and it's pneumatic and mm -hmm. absolutely no electronic, nothing. Nothing digital um, about it at all. Right. So in my mind, autonomy is, is like, well, you could say industrial automation is the basis. Mm -hmm. You could say industrial autonomy is a subset of industrial automation, mm -hmm. or you say it's a logical next step. I could go with any of those three <laughs> approaches. Yeah. But if you look at who's pushing industrial autonomy, who's leading the charge, mm -hmm. it's industrial automation companies. Yeah, and so I, I would I would argue that probably the best definition is a, it's a subset. Industrial automation is a major umbrella, yeah. and autonomy is just you know adding yeah. to the industrial automation. Almost a, a matter of degrees. It's like okay, a PID loop is autonomous. It does its work without interruption or without needing other things. But as you get more complex and more of what we would call machine intelligence required, that's more what they're talking about with autonomy, maybe? Does that make sense? Right. You're, you're trying to get, what you're really at getting the autonomy from is a person at the board, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, I, I used to work on the summer, I, I had a job at a zipper company yeah. and we would make uh, machines to automatically feed the zipper onto the tape, which is the stuff that has the teeth on it, in mm -hmm. case you don't know. Yeah. But anyway, you would dump a bunch of zipper sliders, which is the thing that goes up and down. You'd, put a bunch in the hopper and turn the machine on and the cams and the little micro switches would all go and that thing would run until it ran out. Yeah. That was autonomous. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not that autonomy is new. It's the computing power. It's just like digital transformation. Mm -hmm. It's not that any one of those technologies that enable digital transformation are, is new. It's that we get them all at one time and they come together and they intersect. And industrial autonomy is kind of the intersection of high performance computing and, and AI and et cetera, coming together and, and melding with what we would call the industrial automation sensing and control. Yeah, I think if you look at the extremes of, of continuous process automation, refineries, other very highly automated facilities, you know, there's not that many workers there as it is. There is the board operator and there's, you know, maintenance techs that are, that are run around doing other things, but what are driving forces that are having industrial automation companies and maybe major process manufacturers really look at autonomy as being necessary to, to think about in terms of what's, what's next for them. Right, well, this, this is a key question because what we've noticed at ARC is there's been a maturing in the way industrial automation is applied. So, you know, in the early days, people just got excited about technology. And in some cases, you, you'd find people applying technology because they could. Right. Now we're, we're in a phase where it's like, okay, what problem does that solve for me? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the factors that are driving companies to look at autonomy, it's key because I think, you know, again, like we said just, just a moment ago, we're looking at automating the person. Yeah. Right. And so it's the, the, the judgment of, of judgment it, as well as physical actions, right? Right. And, you know, uh, we keep falling back a lot on this stat where like 40 some odd percent of abnormal situations are caused by human error. Mm -hmm. So we, we're looking at 
the reliability of a person right. uh, as being a, a possible contributor to autonomy. But the other thing that we've also been talking about, of course, is the the graying of the workforce. Yeah, I thought that was your forty percent when you first started. Say it was going to be forty percent <laughs> retiring. But uh, yeah, yeah. But but right. I mean, we've got folks retiring out, and we have millennials saying, "I don't want to work there. It's filthy, dirty. I want to work for Google. I want to work for some somewhere where I can." I get a pool table in the in the office, or I can go play video games, or I'm whatever it might be. But there's a there's a lifestyle shift in mindset for so for replacing those people. But and then you've got you know the training, the heavy training that gets involved because people are in short supply. It may be diff more difficult to keep them. But then it, there's also the aspect where we talk about uh, if a person creates an abnormal situation inadvertently, uh, that's a safety issue. So the fewer people I have on site reduces my risk. Sure. Uh, the other thing that it would do is it would reduce my environmental impact or could mm -hmm. if, if I had a, a spill or some sort of release. One of the other things that autonomy does or industrial automation in general is it also allows you to do the same thing over and over again and if you want to make it better, you make it better once, yeah. right? And so with personnel, you all, you, you'll talk to people and they say, oh, well, shift A, man, they really got it down. Shift B, man, everything goes to pot. Uh, and that's an extreme. But you know what I'm saying? It runs better when shift A is on the, on the board than when shift B is on the board. Shift C is okay. When you go to more and more automation, and that in, this includes autonomy, you have the ability to tune that control. And it's tuned 24-7 as long as you, you can keep the maintenance on the, uh, on the uh, instrumentation and, and uh, keep everything running uh, from, a, from an automation standpoint. But those are the drivers. And one of the things that you see, again, we talk about automation and repeatability, but that's also a quality issue. Right. And so, if I can maintain a, a certain level of quality consistently, I can also increase my price for that product, sure. uh, depending on the market. Obviously, gasoline, you get 97 octane, you get 97 octane. But, you know, some of the other chemicals, you can get a premium for a better quality product. Now, one thing that we haven't touched on is regulation. And that's going to be very interesting because regulation, you know, the, I remember... I don't know if it's still true, but I remember talking to one fellow. He said that Germany actually had a regulation that said you had to have so many people per square foot. <laughs> okay. And if you've got a regulation of that nature, you're not going to be able to get rid of that person right. with autonomy. But again, you still get the other benefits. Put, put him in the more secure part of the, of the plant, at least, so he's not as vulnerable to a, to a spill or another incident, that sort of thing. We're, Right, I would I would expect the regulation doesn't mean that guy has to be in that square footage. Right, <laughs> exactly. have the, the head count that would make sense. Would yeah, make sense. yeah, but I do I do it does seem like you know there are in, in talking with autonomy the the use of drones and 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 robots and those kind of things that are typically things you think of in discrete manufacturing versus right. um, industrial process automation. Would, well, you what, what role do you see them playing in in a, in a more autonomous plant? Uh, or for maintenance tasks or inspection tasks or things like that. Well, it's interesting because they are beginning to be used. Uh, you know, like the uh, 
was it Boston Dynamics got that spot mm-hmm. uh, robot yeah. that, you know, looks like a dog, I guess. Right. But you could put all kinds of sensors on that and you can put an articulating hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could you could envision where you put a, an acoustics uh, sensor on that mm-hmm. robot. He goes through the plant and just like, you know, how you had that old maintenance hand yeah. bob. He'd go, he'd walk around and say, you know, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah. Or you could use you could use analytics on the acoustics, and you could you could pick up. Hey, mm-hmm. I think that bearing mm-hmm. is showing where because it's vibrating different. And I'm kicking it up on this microphone. Right. Uh, you could also look for leaks if you needed to go out and crank a manual valve closed. I'd be able to do that. It, you know, it may also need to say, hey, I need another robot over here because I can't get this thing closed. Need a spare, <laughs> spare hand, I guess. Uh, I don't know what you call them, but it's spare right. Actuator, yeah, right. But you know, they're they're already experimenting that mm-hmm. with that in in several cases where they send drones out to inspect automatically that those uh, pictures come back and they get analyzed by the software. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they, and they do geofencing to make sure those things don't leave the site or right or you know, yeah. Well, and it also seems you were, you mentioned the the quality thing, but you know, like consistency of operation too can I think be very important for the other objectives like sustainability and efficiency and those things too, because you, if you're doing things more reliably, more predictably, and that, that takes into things like procedural automation for doing startups and shutdowns that you may only do once every seven, eight years nowadays, you know, so the last people who, right. who did a shutdown are, are no longer <laughs> with the company. Um, so if you can do that more programmatically through, um, mm-hmm. through these more autonomous systems to do those, those less often performed procedures, that would seem to me a, a, a good aspect of what we're calling autonomy or more autonomy. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah, I think procedural automation is undersold. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of value into in capturing and using that automated procedure because it gives you a step. Because if you're going to go to autonomy, you're going to need that step anyway. You got to know mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yeah. And But then, you know, it also helps you with the quality. And I know that when I step through this procedure, I'm going to shut down the safest way possible. Right. All right. I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't wait too long on something and ruin my batch. Right. Right. And I think, you know, batch, batch processes tend to be a little more ahead in that area because that's how they make their money is automating. Yeah. 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 And that's why I think a lot of the pharmaceutical you see a lot of this automation in pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. They have a, a double whammy because, you know, you don't want to mix it wrong. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, you don't want to contaminate it. So you want to keep people out. Right. It's kind of like the semiconductor industry. You keep people out of the clean rooms. Yeah. And, you know, the more reproducible one matches to the next, the higher quality and, the you know, all those all those same things. They don't, it's not quite the same when we're producing gasoline as it is uh, when you're producing uh, <laughs> something that can have be injected in somebody's body, you know, but, uh, right. <laughs> the car doesn't care, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, can, it can handle a few octane swing here, here and there, but, uh, no doubt about that. So what do you, what do you think is, uh, is next over the next several years? Where will th- this autonomy movement be focused? Do you, do you think in terms of, of priority in terms of new products, new, new solutions, as well as implementations on, on the process industry side of things? Any particular focus that you predict? That's a really interesting question because it comes back to that needs-based mm-hmm. thing. 
Uh, obviously, um, we haven't mentioned it yet, but COVID is was a big driver in yeah. pushing industries in, in ways they were really dragging their feet. A lot of the technologies and pr approaches that many suppliers and many analyst firms and press companies have been writing about yeah. suddenly became high priority last year. Yeah, now we've charged. I wrote some of those articles myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now that we have 2020 vision, haha, yeah. we can look back and say, oh shoot, I should have I should have invested in uh, that networking yeah. that would have allowed me to Im implement a lot of these remote solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw a lot of suppliers step up and say, hey, I know you've got a uh, trial on this remote solution that we sold you. You're now in need. Let me uh, let me just give you uh, full access yeah. with no limitations on the license so you can get through this. Yeah, uh, and, and suddenly that a lot of the remote access technologies became high priority for almost everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and the nice thing is now that they have uh, a year under their belt with that technology, they've seen the benefit. Sure. You know, it's not just us talking about it. Mm -hmm. But it, they've actually got boots on the ground using it and say, hey, but, you know, the other thing that we found is interesting is, is companies said, hey, I've, I've got this technology in place, but I didn't realize I could solve this other problem I had. Right, right. And, and so you're, you're seeing a lot, of, a lot of innovation at site yeah. with the technologies that we didn't expect. Yeah. And then the other thing that it, it's kind of strange, so if you look at like subsea, Mm -hmm. uh, offshore and mining, mm -hmm. there's a good deal of autonomy implemented in those yeah. already, right? Mm -hmm. Especially subsea where they were doing, the, and, and it's very small pockets, but they were, there was a, an approach of doing undersea or subsea processing. Yeah. So you're actually separating the water, the sand, gases, whatever, and, and you're processing it under the sea and sending it up. Whereas before you had to bring it to the surface mm -hmm. and you had a, you had you have people on the surface. You don't have people under sea under the sea. Right. Right. That's totally autonomous. So that is we, autonomous. Yeah. We've been seeing, you know, the, and there were some offshore rigs that were becoming autonomous. I think that's getting accelerated. Again, we we talked about pharma and some of the needs that they had, but again, a lot of the autonomy they're still going to be dragging because there's going to be this cost versus benefit analysis mm. that has to be done. And if the industry doesn't do a risk analysis as well, it's going to be even slower. But um, I would expect some of the offshore land-based sites to adopt more autonomy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking of somewhere like Fort McMurray where yeah. In the wind, or you know, Prudhoe Bay, you might be, yeah. you know, in the winter, you have uh, four minutes outside, and if you spend more than four minutes, you're dead, type of thing. You know, some of those really harsh areas are going to be interesting, uh, and probably first yeah. first adopters. But you're also going to see places where you know, I just can't hire somebody to go to this site anymore. Yeah. So you yeah. see that too. Yeah, so you'd have more maybe unmanned operations for, for periods of time and you have enough um, capable, enough predictive diagnostics to monitor the machinery so that 
you have time to fly somebody up there if you really have to in order to 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 do a a, a turnaround on some maintenance on some equipment but but routinely have it operating for days or weeks at a time with nobody right. there I, I suppose would be a, a fair transition to more full autonomy yeah. where you might have a, a, a self-healing plant that could repair itself that's that's going to be a little ways further <laughs> off that's a little ways further off right but w what what i'm expecting is that autonomous operations will follow remote operations yeah so so sense. anywhere that they've they've pulled back people mm -hmm. off site those are going to be the sites that are going to lead in autonomy sure that makes sense and some of the mining operations are very sophisticated as you were mentioning as well in terms of autonomous vehicles and autonomous mining machines underground to, to keep people right. out of danger dangerous places right right makes a lot of sense yeah well, I think we've come to the end of our allotted time here. I, I just want to say thanks so much, Mark, for taking the time to share your insights with us today. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Thanks also to Honeywell for sponsoring this episode. My name is Keith Larson. You've been listening to a Control Amplified podcast. Thank you again, Mark Sangupta with ARC Advisory Group for joining us. Really appreciate your sharing your perspectives. Oh, thank you. It's fun. Great. And you listening, if you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe at the iTunes Store or at Google Podcasts. Plus, you can find the full archive of past episodes at controlglobal.com. Signing off until next time. Thanks again, Mark. Thanks.